Mark's Madness. Welcome back to Mark's Madness. Now part of Chunkaluta. Doing it again. We still the boops are weird. <laughs> we'll soon it'll be back to normal. <laughs> Only until next month do we have to wait uh, to date this episode a little. Um, this is Mark's Madness. Yeah. Welcome back. We read books. Reading the Red Deal. We read books. Uh, today we have some current events that are a little important, mm-hmm. like the Oklahoma House passing the anti-affirmative uh, care uh, bill, and thus beginning a larger targeting of trans people's right to exist. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're just basically you're banning affirming care. I mean, is is equal to just basically banning people for being trans. Let's let's be very clear. That's that's the message here. Right. Right. And it's like the solution to the suicide problem is affirming mm-hmm. care. Mm-hmm. So if you've banned that, you've now guaranteed that a lot of people are going to probably hurt themselves in that state. Yeah. Which is terrible. Yeah. Um, I it, It's just straightforwardly fascist and, and genocidal. It's, let's just... Yep. There's there's nothing more to that. This is Welcome to it. Yeah. This is it. It's happening in front of your eyes. If not now, then when? Yeah, it's I mean it's happening right now. Got to go out there and and, and fight cuz the, the politicians aren't going to do jack shit except keep making stuff worse. Yeah. It's uh it's time. Mm-hmm. It's time to do stuff. Mm-hmm. If you're not doing stuff, well, you should start doing stuff. Um if there's one message, make a potato gun. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, that's legal. <laughs> I don't know. You know, put but, plant uh, plant a few potatoes in a bucket and then make a potato gun and yeah, yeah. <laughs> with PVC piping, you know, because it's like there's nothing else it's good for. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, also in the news today, Matt Gates. Yeah, so there was a congressional hearing on sending aid to Ukraine, and Matt Gates was. Um, they, they were doing the Republican thing where, you know, it's just like it, it was it's factual that there is massive racism upheld by Democrats every bit as much as Republicans. And like George Floyd was in a democratically run city and state when he died. But Republicans would throw that out there. The, the two points would either be you're supposed to believe that like, well, the Democrats are just as racist. So racism is OK, which is is their really fun point. And the other one is, oh, the Democrats are the real racists and we're the solution to, to it. Right. And well, they're the party of Lincoln. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they do the same thing occasionally with foreign policy. Okay. Um, just like, you know, Trump criticized Syria and then dropped more bombs on Syria than Obama ever did. Right. Um, obviously they're full of shit. Obviously they, they don't care. They just want, you know, they're, they're talking points out there and oh, it was an honest mistake. Yeah. Um, oh, and it's, it's, it's chum <laughs> in the bucket with Ukraine because, uh, the coup happened under Obama, the Biden coup. Um, and then this war is happening. This proxy war is happening with Biden in there and they could be like, oh, Democrats are doing this and Republicans aren't because Democrats are the real fascists. And then they can turn that into like, you know, anti-trans, um, language and, and racist language and all kinds well, of shit. They already right? are. The Pat Sosha are the perfect example. Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. We're, charge on it even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that, that's just liberal degeneracy and that's the real fascist. And we're, we're saving you from the jabs and the gender police or whatever the fuck they, they say. Right. 
Um, so that I mean, they're leveraging for that, and so you don't let them follow through with that bullshit. That doesn't mean that the stuff they're saying about Ukraine is somehow false in any way, right? They're they're using the kernel of truth, and that's their kernel of truth to jump to bullshit conclusions, which is still give a shit because that's a pretty massive, deadly kernel of truth that um, is very affecting to our politics. Um, but of course, the way to dust that off is. It's, it's a totally a right-wing thing, and then when the right-wing uses sources and they happen to be, I don't know, honest, so not super Western sometimes, um, like the Global Times, the leading newspaper in China, had a very good detailed factual report on what the U.S. has been doing in Ukraine that matches up with – I mean you can go back. I, I was you know pointing out to people because of this bullshit going on um, articles from 2018 from The Hill – you know, about the law being written to, to not send the Ukraine, not send Nazis weapons in Ukraine. And of course, that law got rolled back by another later law. Like, why did the law exist? Why does it not exist again? You know, um, and then there's another thing, you know, Republicans would point to, oh, that law came about while while Trump was in office, except the Azov was still getting weapons just fucking fine. Um, yeah. Well, what bugs me is that you know, they just declassified them as Nazis. They did that with, a, they quietly declassified a lot of groups mm-hmm. as hate groups. This, Yeah, this is the you same know, thing like, they did with the, the ETIM. Their their excuse for that is... The KKK, yeah. which they declassified. Maybe a little more obvious mm-hmm. that they shouldn't have done that one. <laughs> but, uh... Um, Here we are. Yeah, but they they just, they just declassify it because it's convenient, because it's getting a little too much scrutiny. Um, and so, you know, Gates is doing his bullshit, and yet he cites a Chinese source, and it's a good source, and it's a factual thing he's attacking. Um, and of course, the the solution is either the Pat Sosha is going, see, you know, Gates and Tucker Carlson fuck is on our side because they're they're fascist assholes trying to find me that way. Uh, meanwhile, much louder is the mainstream like Dems and liberals going, ah, ha, 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 ha. you know, the the stupid Matt Gates doesn't know his ass in the hole in the ground and, and cited Chinese propaganda. What a dummy. We've all made that mistake. And it's like, fuck you. <laughs> Just fuck you. Um, Chinese. Propaganda. Yeah, I mean, and it's always Chinese propaganda. And how do they know? Well, it's it's from China and it's uh, state funded. Never it don't, says dot cm yeah yeah it does so it's chinese propaganda never never mind that like i don't know the cbc in canada and the bbc in um great britain and npr and um uh (laughs) fucking ktc here in uh well i guess ktc is the st louis one pbs pbs here in um you know the united states like it those are just as fucking state funded and you want to see how propaganda works. Like nobody even cared about the content or how correct it is. It's that it was Chinese propaganda. When again, like I said, I point out the Hill, you could look at Newsweek. There's all kinds of fucking American sources talking about this and it's a citable law to add and bring back. Like explain that. But the facts that didn't matter. It was ha 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 in a way that basically, you know, it, it, it made Gates look bad, but not for all the reasons he's actually bad, um, which is just a fucking laundry list because he's evil as hell. Uh, it's a fucking Republican pedophile piece of shit. But also, it allegedly, allegedly, <laughs> also, uh, it makes China look worse. And then, of course, it, there's Russian propaganda, and they throw at RT, and it's just, it's just, it shows that people gobble up this fucking shit, and it is infuriating. Um, 
So be ready to to point that out. Be ready to point out like every article. Like if you look at any article before uh, 2021 or was it 21 or 22, 2022, any any article before 2022 um, and there's real concern and admission that like there's Nazis crawling over all over Ukraine. And is this a problem? And, you know, and then again, you can point at that law. Why was it made and why was it basically unmade with a different law? Right. Um, and I usually have that that law lined up and, and cited, and I, I don't right now, so I'll have to hopefully look that up so we can point that out more easily. But be ready for the bullshit, right? Because people are full of shit, and, and stuff like this um, is really what helps make empire tick. Because if you can attack the right of empire from the right to support empire, oh, that's fucking gold for them. And then tell yourself you're left-wing well, you know, and smart. You have to ask yourself – is is there a concentrated effort mm-hmm. to make a show in the media, mm-hmm. you know, by quoting a right wing source over the Western version of that source? Yeah, you know, to discredit those claims. Yeah, and perhaps and again, that know, and Global Times isn't a right wing source. Gates is the the right wing source. Global Times is is you know. Well, just yeah, a non-Western yeah. well, source. I, I meant like, you know, the Chinese, like the right-wing source is the Chinese yes. source. Yes. And so, um, and then you also have Gates who, you know, is implicated in a lot of mm-hmm. sex trade issues, mm-hmm. which is usually indicative of like, a, usually like a honeypot situation with the CIA. So like Roy Cohn mm-hmm. and Jeffrey Epstein are known for those. Um, and so this could easily be something where yeah he could have very know, purposely he's... chosen that for this kind of moment because it's I mean look how bananas liberals go right they're all high fiving each other and it's yeah it's they, it's it's the Nancy Pelosi each other on the back yeah it's the Nancy know, Pelosi like... clap except you know it's xenophobic right and, and and if you press people if you're like is there is there something wrong with the information he said. Rather than the source, and what's wrong with that source? What does make it different from from American sources? Is it just that we've been told they're the bad guys? In which case, maybe question the propaganda you're eating. Or <laughs> I think I think Edward Said wrote a book with the title uh, very explicitly with the Orientalism. Right? It's 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 the Asian people will take their news and and they'll they'll just eat up the propaganda, but we don't fall for that, right? <laughs> Well, right. It's this idea that like the other is this mindless mass mm-hmm. that, follows yeah, their leaders, and, no... and 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 it's totally not racist because it's just their culture. You just don't understand their culture. It's the Asiatic mode of that, production. That's right. David. Uh, okay. Anyway, so that's a, yeah. I feel just too gross even doing that sarcastic. Beyond, uh, <laughs> you know, but that's that's sort of bringing it to the whole point of this book series mm-hmm. and me joining is. There is a perspective lacking, and so we're here joining on uh, the Red Deal, and mm-hmm. we're going to be reading Area 9 on page 98. You know, we're almost done with this freaking <laughs> book, I'm just saying. Uh, what's the Gramsci book we're reading next? Just the notebook? Uh, yeah, it's it's just his prison notebooks. Okay. So, many of us are familiar with the epidemic of missing and murdered indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit relatives, MMIWG2S. And that is often left out of the conversation. Uh, And what is often left out of the conversation are the uh, conditions that many of these people experience prior to their deaths and disappearances. 
rampant sexual violence and domestic abuse in Native households, both on and off the reservation, create hostile environments and render Native people more vulnerable to continued violence and death at the hands of multiple perpetrators, including the state, racist vigilantes, men, the extractive industry, and non-Natives. The disturbing frequency of domestic and sexual violence amongst Native people is nothing more than a result of centuries of settler colonial violence and dispossession. Because Indigenous bodies stand in the way of access to the land, and because women are seen as the producers of Native nations through the European heteropatriarchal lens, violence against women particular sexual violence is used as a means of separating native people from the land. Non-men represent alternative political orders that replicate native nationhood. Violence upon queer and feminine bodies has used was used as a primary tactic for the obliteration of indigenous governance structures. Uh, so one example of this is Wingte people like me or two spirit people uh, being put into asylums, castrated and stuff like that. Um, uh, for you know, like yeah. it's bigotry. I don't know. No, I mean that, that's all it is, right? It's it's so. yeah. It, it it's for heteronormativity um, in order to uphold a patriarchal structure, right? Um, you know, you can't have a tiered power structure without some in, investment uh, in middle tiered people. You know, this is the. The white working class that that lean on their whiteness rather than being working class. This is men of any you know um, shape or form leaning on on the patriarchy, uh, regardless of their class and doing it above their class or or race or, or anything like that, right? Um, but like another example would be like Haudenosaunee's mm-hmm. uh, systems of government, where they had a woman's council that's no mm-hmm. longer operative. They only have the BIA councils. Yes. Or then you have uh, where women were the traditional holders of our land. And then all of a sudden the, you know, uh, treaties stipulate that you need the men's approval. Mm-hmm. And it's, well, that's seems wrong, but yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that's an easy path to dispossession. And so you've got not only the, the history of, of patriarchy's establishment in Europe, really largely launching uh, the trade that allowed colonialism to happen, right? That that long before there was a bourgeoisie that was named uh, from from the burgers and, and the reason um, that those burgs could pop up is, you know, generally leaning on societal structures of patriarchy imposed uh, largely by the Catholic Church and other uh, aristocracy in, in Europe. And then that comes over here and – it's like, oh, no, women women are running the show and we're trying to establish our, our capitalism and we want you off this land. If we can just dispossess women, we can take the land. Although, you know, that win, win, win um, to that structure. And and so, of course, that happens and, and that happens through violence. That includes, you know, sexual violence. It also happens um, through just dissolution of any structure and power structure that, that exists. Well, right. And a lot of times it's symbiotic mm-hmm. that's the issue is that there's no need to separate them because so often are the policies underlined with this sort of grotesque action mm-hmm. um like for example the fbi forms uh, out of a practice where white men were marrying indigenous women and then murdering them yeah you know like 
it's a uh, it's a tale as old as time, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and but for this reason, women. Oh, go on. Oh, and 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 I was gonna say, you know, this this is exactly why um, I I don't like buying the thing of you know we shouldn't we shouldn't fight for love and like there's definitely immense amount of compassion and emotion that goes into revolution. So I I do believe in you know compassion and empathy and love driving revolution. But even from a materialist standpoint that sets that aside, um, there, there's the purpose of solidarity, right? Um, you know, the, the taking your leaning into whatever power structure benefits you is always at the expense of the power structure that doesn't benefit you, right? You will never collapse this, this class relationship if you don't fight patriarchy and homophobia and xenophobia and fight for land back. It's just never going to happen. Um, and so, you know, basics of solidarity, right? Uh, you know, an injury to one is an injury to all and a victory for one's a victory for all. And so these were injuries to all. And this is the pathway it took. For this reason, women and queer people, especially when in positions of power, are the biggest threat to settler projects of dispossession. The Anna Beta Samasake, I don't know if I always fuck that name up. Simpson states that sexual violence is an effective tool of conquest because the overwhelming damage it inflicts upon families lasting for generations and is stilling shame and humiliation that discourages any efforts to resist. This use of oh sorry. This use of sexual violence is a means of disconnecting native people from their sources of strength, their families, cultures, traditions of resistance, and the land itself. Persisted throughout the boarding school era where native children were frequently subjected to sexual violence and physical abuse by teachers and school administration administrators. I get the worst hiccups. <laughs> Including Christian priests. Um, and I should note that there's even like a whole like pedophile compound, like disgustingly close to Jeffrey Epstein's Zorro ranch. Oh, Oh yeah. Down in New, in Mexico. New Mexico. Yeah. Yeah, um, it, it's routine whenever priests are caught for molesting kids mm-hmm. to send them to reservations, and when they're caught there, to send them to that compound. Anyway, after this era, Native women and families were stripped of their autonomy via forced sterilizations, lack of access to equitable parental, oh, prenatal, sorry, prenatal and postnatal care. Uh, poor reproductive health services, poverty assimilation, exotification, and objectification. Forced sterilizations are rumored to still take place in Indian health service facilities and misinformation about birth control, which is based on racist assumptions about indigenous women's promiscuity and uh, dirtiness is widespread. Uh, and so, like, my sister, after having her first kid, uh, like the doctor was immediately recommending she sterilize herself. Holy cow. Yeah, one kid. Jesus. Like, is that normal? No. <laughs> no. No. The answer is no. No. In fact, usually when women want to voluntarily uh, be be sterilized and they have, like, I don't know, less than, say, five kids, whether it's zero or two or three, they usually get a lot of pushback from doctors. So right. there clearly is an agenda there. Well, yeah, she lives in Wisconsin. Yeah. As we've already been over. Not a good place. Um so this ongoing violence is wait yeah this ongoing violence is not confined to just native people it deeply affects all colonized people worldwide 
In consecutive reports released in 2017 and 2019, the United Nations revealed that women and girls die from domestic violence more than any other crime. This information was released in a global study on homicide that focused on gender-related killings. The study revealed that out of 87,000 women who were murdered around the world, 58% were killed by family members or partners, with 34% murdered by intimate partners and 24% murdered by other family members. According to the Indian Law Resource Center in the United States, violence against indigenous women has reached unprecedented levels. Four out of five American Indian and Alaska Native women have experienced violence, and one in two have experienced sexual violence. Half. I don't know why you'd say one and two, but... Yeah. (laughs) Alaskan Native women continue to suffer the highest rate of forcible sexual assault and have reported rates of domestic violence up to ten times higher than the rest of the population. Native youth who see violence in the home, which are the majority, are 75% more likely to become a future victim or perpetrator of violence. As we note in Area 6, violence accounts for 75% of deaths for Native youth between the ages of 12 and 20. More than 60% of Native youth have been recently exposed to violence in different sectors of their lives, including home, school, and other parts of their community. Native men also experience high rates of victimization. More than 4 in 5 American Indian and Alaska Native men have experienced violence in their lifetime. Almost 28% have experienced sexual violence, over 43% have experienced physical violence by an intimate partner, and 73% have experienced psychological aggression by an intimate partner. Transgender relatives experience even higher rates of violence. 65% of American Indian Alaska Native respondents to the 2015 U.S. Transgender Survey have been sexually assaulted at some point in their lifetimes. Nearly three-quarters, 73%, of respondents experience some form of intimate partner violence, including acts of coercive control. Nearly half, 46%, of respondents who worked in the underground economy of such as sex work and drug sales in the year prior to the survey's release were sexually assaulted during that year. Everyone deserves access to a safe, loving home and all of the resources required to heal from ongoing gender, sexual, and domestic violence. We must advocate for available resources for those fleeing domestic violence. We can build and support violence shelters that are mindful and specific needs of Native women and easy to reach from rural reservation or urban spaces. Consider volunteering in already existing shelters or organizing community members to provide safe spaces and basic necessities to those fleeing domestic violence. With the creation of mutual aid networks, people can organize call lists or online groups with those able to house or assist people fleeing domestic violence with basic necessities such as transportation, childcare, groceries, etc. We could promote access to accurate sexual education and the full range of reproductive health services by organizing campaigns that destigmatize sex, educate about safer sex practices, and advocate for body sovereignty and body positivity. This includes the destigmatization of abortion, birth control, STI and HIV testing, and teaching youth about consent. Support the renewal of traditional a traditional non-carceral birthing practices for women so they have control over their own reproductive health and the health of their children. 
Consider hosting teach-ins in your community where important discussions about unlearning toxic masculinity and heteropatriarchal violence can be held. Provide spaces where individuals might be able to obtain more resources about sexual health, healthy relationships, mental health, and having these difficult conversations in the home. And and these are, you know, important conversations. And they should shape other conversations too, right? I, I think one of the perpetrators of this, because most, um, again, uh, most domestic violence, of course, is, is going to happen within your own household. But there's also people that, that – um, you know, are subject to abuse from uh, other close relatives or close friends. And a lot of times, even parents that are, are, you know, not abusive and care very much for their children come across with this message of just listen to adults, right? Listen to adults. They're always right. And that's a, a difficult needle to thread because if you don't push listen to adults, when kids don't agree or don't understand, you know, they, they could get hurt. And so there's a reason people direct that. But then, that puts a lot of trust into people that you might not know be a problem or would be a problem until it's, it's too late. Um, and well, like most kids get kidnapped by people they know. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, yeah. You know, you, you should be like, you shouldn't be like paranoid of everybody, but you should also be like aware that people suck. Yeah. People suck. Mm-hmm. And some people, when they have the opportunity is when they take it. Yeah. I mean, and that's the issue. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I know just from advice, cause I have three kids. I don't know if I have the right answers, but the, the way I teach them to, to try to best help is that a lot of people teach, you know, respect is, is like doing what you're told and doing what's right and whatever. And then I teach them like, you know, respect is empathy and action, right? If, if I was someone who didn't want to be touched and someone touched me, how would I feel? Okay. Act on, act on thinking about that. And that's respect. And, and respect is someone, you know, respecting you back. And so as long as an adult is respecting you back, um, then you need to understand that they're trying to manage the situation and care about you. And that's, that's what I communicate, but I don't, I don't know if that's the perfect message. And that is a little tough to, to get around, you know, younger kids heads, but it's, it's the best I do. As somebody who's suffered, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know the answer. Yeah, there's there's not a perfect answer, but you know, you've got to do the best you do and I know the right answer isn't blindly listen to adults and discipline discipline discipline. Listen to your elders. Mhm. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, seek out advice from from family and people around you assuming again that they care about you and your children, which I would hope, but I know there's there's situations where that's not always true. Um, but yeah, I mean, whether it's, it's, you know, born family or found family, just, you know, lean on family that you can trust for advice, for guidance, um, you know, listen to people that care about you so that you can pass that care on to your children. And with that, we're going to do uh, area 10, um, and that's end missing and murdered indigenous women, girls, and two spirit peoples. The genocide of MMIWG2S is rarely framed as an example of border town violence, which itself is often described as a recent phenomenon. Border town violence is a form of state violence that has upheld the colonial project of resource exploitation, relocation, displacement, and genocide since the first military outposts and forts were constructed along the western frontier of the fledging United States. Border town violence is nothing more than contemporary frontier violence. Uh, 
Most border towns today were once centers of the most horrendous frontier violence. Places like Chamberlain, South Dakota, and Gallup, New Mexico. We were just talking about that with the Gallup, New Mexico, with the uh, in that where the Fox Ranch is. I don't. I thought it was near there, like like. Well, it, the issue is it's such a large piece of land that yeah. it's not near anything. Yeah. It's, it's like technically within a city's boundaries, but welcome to the West where there's huge expanses of nothing. Um, served as centers of trade where white settlers not only sold and traded goods like fur, but lured, sold, and kidnapped Native women and girls to be sex trafficked to soldiers and traders who manned these outputs and forts. Border towns are the original man camps. One of the first lines of struggle to end uh, MMIWG2S is to end border town violence and vice versa. Well, and so like, you know, a lot of people when thinking about border towns, they're very much limited to towns with like fort in the name or something Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. But like Boston is a border town. And if you don't know why, because for 20 some years they had a fucking Indian head in the town square. <laughs> That's grotesque. Yeah. You you have freaking Detroit is a border town. You know, Missouri, St. Louis yeah. is definitely a border yeah. town. Yeah, oh my fucking the god. Gateway to the west. You can't go through the St. Charles area without like 800 million Lewis and Clark references. I swear to fucking god. Oh, I'm sure. Well, St. Louis, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if that has anything to do with Lewis and Clark, but I assumed. Uh King King Louis, that that was from the French French part of it. Oh, whatever. Yeah. I'm sure they That's they were like, definitely not colonial name that's super colonial named after a king and called him a saint. <laughs> Wait, which King Louis though? Uh the eighth, I want to say. Okay. I should I should know this because you this this little civics lesson you learn as a as a kid. I don't remember any of that shit. It was stupid. <laughs> you actually learn that? Oh it, so you go on dumb field trips when, when you you live around here. <laughs> Well, look, I That's mean, what... our field trips were like to mine shafts. Oh. So I don't know how dumb your field oh, trips Oh, no. Are we, go to like, mine, we go to like but... Merrimack Caverns where, you know, a uh, dude who fought for the Confederacy, Jesse James, gets glorified. It's fucking That's awful. Awesome. And, then, and then we go in the, the – the only reason the arch exists is so that a, kids could go one time in their life and never again. <laughs> Every kid's gone well, to the arch. I've never seen them. I need to see them. I've seen the end of the Oregon Trail. Never seen the beginning. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Yeah. That's... Literally, Oregon City. Really? That's where the or- end of the Oregon Trail. Really? <laughs> I've, I've been there a little too often. Did you ford the river? Don't ford the river. Never ford the river. No, I kayaked it. That oh, there fun. you go. Cool. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, where were we? Uh, today, most people are familiar with man camps as a result of gas and oil extractivist projects. The presence of gas and oil makes it clear that the United States never stopped its project of displacement and elimination of native people. And Biden, of course, has signed the most oil licenses. Um, and th- I guess they don't all go into action. They're just sitting around. But permits, that's what I'm looking for, permits. Um, but they, they're, they're constantly expanding and Biden's signed the most of any president. Um. The land continues to be stolen for these projects. The poorest and most vulnerable communities are coerced into selling their land to multinational oil companies, yet remain in poverty once corporations have taken all the land can offer. 
Meanwhile, the richest in the world continue to siphon wealth, literally siphon it out of the ground uh, from these communities. As a result, this continual displacement, 71% of indigenous people live in urban spaces. There is a praxis we all should learn. It's called siphoning gas. <laughs> yes. I'm just saying. It's real easy. It's 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 not hard. Just, <laughs> just don't get in your mouth, though. Oh, my God. That, that... No, but most kids on the res know how to siphon gas, and it's funny as hell. Yeah. Like, by my, uh, I went to visit my cousin Quinny's, like, he just handed me the tube. So, <laughs> hey, can you get this in there? And I was like, oh, yeah, no problem. And I just knew he wanted me to siphon it. You know? <laughs> nice. Like, like uh, my partner like walked over there with me. He's like, what's that tube for? I was like, oh, don't mind me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. There is no escape from this cycle of violence on or off the reservation. MMIWG2S. Um, is a continuous and pervasive form of violence that affects every corner of our, com- our communities. Homicide is the third leading cause of death for Native women in the United States, regardless of where they live. In a recent report from the Urban Indian Health Institute, the city of Albuquerque, which has one of the largest urban Native populations in the country, was found to have high rates of missing and, and MMIWG2S, which is missing murdered Indigenous women, girls, and two spears, we said earlier. Uh, this is no coincidence as Albuquerque is a border town in a state that depends on gas and oil development to fund important social services. New Mexico is essentially one large man camp, which also helps to explain why it has the highest number of MMIWG2S cases compared to any other state. Despite these numbers, the Santa Fe Police Department admits to not keeping track of MMIWG2S and domestic violence cases because most Native women have Spanish surnames. Oh, the Albuquerque Police Department, for example, was notorious for refusing to test sexual assault evidence kits and had a backlog of more than 5,500 that sat in city custody for years until grassroots pressure, followed by a Department of Justice investigation, forced the city to put resources towards processing the kits in 2018. How many MMIWG2S cases might have been solved or prevented had the ADP simply tested these kits in a timely and competent manner. Countless efforts to bring awareness through the federal legislation and state task forces are created while the ongoing settler violence continues. Prominent politicians and advocates in the state, including many Native women, continue to propose an increase in policing as the primary solution for ending the crisis. Calls for better policing have been accompanied by national attention to MMIWG2S, which in 2020 resulted in the Trump administration creating a special task force called Operation Lady Justice, which is the most Trump fucking name I could ever imagine. That is my new superhero. (laughs) Operation Lady Justice. (laughs) Well, it's just Lady Justice. Just Lady Justice. Operation is like the name of like my first comic (laughs) Operation Lady Justice. To investigate the scope and nature of the issues regarding missing and murdered American Indians and Alaskan Natives. The phrase MMIWG2S now appears on everything from campaign slogans to t-shirts to stickers to water bottles. It is a prominent hashtag on social media. With the election of Native women like Deb Holland, who is originally from Laguna Pueblo in New Mexico and now represents a district in Albuquerque with high numbers of MMIWG2S, to U.S. Congress in 2018, 2019 was officially declared the year of the Native woman. And now now she's the... 
the Secretary of the Interior. Which oh, jeez. Like, That's, yeah. It's uh, not that impressive now that we pay attention to how much oil is being sold. Yeah. Still. Yeah. So, you know, maybe we should be holding those people better accountable since TRN is literally so close to them. I don't know. Um, while we are encouraged by this attention to MMIW G2S, we remind our readers that the movement to stop gender and sexual violence against Native relatives began with radical grassroots organizations formed by everyday Native women. Unlike these politicians and nonprofits, grassroots organizations have never separated their calls for justice from larger issues like resource extraction, land return, and sovereignty. Women of all Red Nations idle no more, and now the Red Nation will continue to advocate for an end to MMIWG2S by demanding nothing less than full decolonization. It is clear that we cannot depend on state institutions to put an end to MMIWG2S. This includes COPS. We cannot depend on cops to take MMIWG2S cases seriously when over 40% of domestic abusers themselves and are are domestic abusers themselves and perpetrate much of the violence that Native people experience more generally. Though Native people make up less than 1% of the U.S. population, they are murdered by police at the highest rates. Cops are part of the problem, not the solution. We must also be honest about the fact that our LGBTQ2 plus relatives experience domestic violence and police violence in border towns at the highest rates. Because they are frequently disowned by families and discriminated against in workplaces, they become dependent on underground economies like sex work, which makes them more susceptible to trafficking that takes place in and around man camps, as well as police violence because of criminalization. And again, this is where, you know, this is the materialist stance on, on things, right? Because we've talked about just earlier in this, um, you know, the human trafficking that, that happens on the frontier and that carries over to imperialism, right? This is something that was prominent and and why a lot of, you know, Asian women are fetishized. But that is imperialism, yeah. right? Like that's, that's part. Oh of yeah, it. absolutely. Absolutely. But I mean, like this is carried over outside of the existing U.S. borders, I should say. Yes. Um, into to Vietnam and Korea and places like that, right? Um, this is well, right? Like this is stuff though. Like these are institutions that during imperial occupation, the governments will set up mm-hmm. in order to satisfy the desires of the men mm-hmm. occupying the area to kind of, um, you know, well, first off, promote population growth, um, disgustingly, mm-hmm. and then as well as you know. Uh, try to discourage disgruntled, you know, incels. Yeah, by buying into the class that you're you're in at the expense of of the underclass you're in, right? You're not going to get that buy-in if you can't subject someone else um, to your power, right? Um, if you can't subjugate anyone, there's the word I'm looking for. Um, but what I was going to say is, so like materially, we should say, you know, we should not look at sex work as like you know this magical liberatory thing and and be like super you know necessarily sex work positive but in a material sense the stigmatization helps uphold of sex work help uphold uh criminalization of it as well as other forms of misogyny and the criminalization of sex work is really what proliferates a lot of the trafficking police violence 
Yeah. That's my position. Yeah, we should be anti-John, um, but we should be even even harder in, in my position, decriminalization of sex work. Because the criminalization is what leads to a lot of the availability of that violence. No, I don't know, but I'm still down for criminalizing John. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you're going to arrest somebody, well, arrest the John. Yeah. The prostitute gets to go home free. No yeah, problem. I don't know. Only problem with that, though, is then you, then you get motivation for this more violence. This is liberalism. To, it to doesn't matter. It. That's true. You're going to have other issues. That's true. I don't care. It's a problem to solve now with one solution. Yeah. Uh, whatever comes after that, that's somebody else's issue. Uh, as we note in the previous section, domestic violence is normalized and often underreported because it occurs so often in native homes, families, and intimate relationships. It is so common that it is often not understood as a form of violence. We need to change how we think about violence. Violence is not just about war or extreme physical altercations. The most common force of violence, a form of violence is domestic violence, and the source of the violence is heteropatriarchy. What can we do about this crisis? Host actions, demonstrations, or protests when there is no justice for MMIWG2S. Um, organizations already doing the vital work, our Sovereign Bodies Institute, the Coalition to Stop Violence Against Native Women, and Native Youth Sexual Health Network. Start your own campaign if there is nothing being organized around you. Host workshops, study groups, fundraisers, or other events that bring awareness to MMIWG2S. When Diné mother L'Oreal Singine uh, was murdered by a racist cop, Austin Shipley, in the border town of Winslow, Arizona in 2016, he was let free to roam the streets. The Red Nation, along with L'Oreal's family, demanded action and held a number of protests, which led to the creation of Border Town Justice Coalition. A report on border town violence, an investigation by Navajo Nation of the Winslow Police Department. Create accessible literature and online documents that can easily be circulated within your community that contain facts about MMIWG2S and have larger analysis of its connections to heteropatriarchy, resource extraction, and colonialism. It is important to have conversations with family about how negative attitudes about women and LGBTQ2 plus relatives, as well as our dependency on fossil fuel, renews and normalize uh, – oh, um, fossil fuel revenues and normalization of male p- privilege contributes to this epidemic. And that is the end of a whole section. That is the end of part oh. two. I know. I feel like this was a good time to <laughs> make it a short one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but the next part is called "Heal Our Planet and Reinvest in Our Reinvest in Our Future." And like healing our planet is like a reinvestment in our common future. Yes, is an, is another simply said position with a great deal of depth. Mm-hmm. I firmly believe there is a better way forward that we must and will find and fight to achieve. Right. Uh, one that doesn't require some Orientalist view of indigenous-led socialism as primitive, <laughs> quote unquote. Yeah, um, and we do not want a return to the past that uh, proved incapable of protecting us from reactionary and racist violence. Instead, we want to build a world where many worlds fit, and we don't enforce class antagonisms. Uh, of the old world, at least not in a way that's disadvantaged to another class, right? Mm-hmm. Like we 
are going to suppress the bourgeoisie, and then eventually our new world will be built, and the bourgeoisie will be left behind in the old world. And that's when we'll know we are in the new world. Mm -hmm. And so there won't be a need for that. And the withering in the state will occur, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <sighs> go, go listen to uh, earlier Mark's Madness. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but Go, go uh, back to State and Rev, guys. State and Rev. You know, this world must be for all, uh, as in, you know, all oppressed peoples, you know, especially queer people. Like, there's a lot of people throwing trans people under the bus lately. It's fucking disgusting. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you're a listener to this podcast. Fuck yourself if you aren't in solidarity with our trans comrades. You know, uh, <laughs> simple as that. Because you aren't our comrade, that's for sure. Um, but, you know, you can't be against people for reasons they're born into. Yeah. You know, that's not cool. And there's no place for supremacists of any kind. In our future. Uh, and so this idea of dominating not only animals, plants, etc. Um, you know, but this is also an idea that dominates other human beings. Like this mentality. You know, and this is the same replication of a mentality that we want to move beyond and find something that's more symbiotic, I would say, I guess, with um, the natural world. Mm -hmm. uh, or at least... Um, semi-natural world. I don't know what you really want to call it because we are nature, so like the distinction's kind of weird. Yeah, um, but yeah, the non-industrial world. I don't know. Not a lot of good words for it, eh? I mean, but, pe yeah. people are nature, but industrialization isn't nature. So, well, no, but that, like, I, I know the dichotomy's but bad. Like, but in that sense, no, no, no. But I would even say though, if we're part of nature, and we industrialize, built those things. That's true. Semantically, yeah, there's an argument to be made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but that's you why, know, like, I mean, like, that's why we're materialists, not not idealists. We we got to pick a cutoff line that makes that makes sense because we no, know. No, but I would something. say that that cutoff line is oddly placed. Yeah, like it doesn't make any sense when you consider that permaculture has a higher rate of production. Yeah, and it's free. Yeah, there's. Zero labor after the first year. It's pretty crazy. I don't know. Marx didn't talk about that one. Yeah. The free bounty of nature was forgone in the analysis for some reason. I think. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, he calls it primitive accumulation. and that's, he, yeah. he does, and then he also got all over the Gotha program's ass. Um, well, and but, listen, the Gotha program was not as good as our shit. <laughs> Can't blame him for getting all over the Gotham program. Yeah. But there's a point to be said that industrialization has sort of led to the, like the death of the earth. So mm -hmm. maybe we should have stopped sooner. Yeah. I don't know. Ah, whatever. So if you enjoyed the show and this kind of uh, depressing episode, it's another one of these. Uh, we're, we're off of the sexual assault. Yeah. This episode. Uh, anybody who is triggered, I'm really sorry. Maybe we should throw a trigger, this trigger warning in the front, too. Uh, but, uh, you know, um, yeah, Mark's Madness Pod, 
at gmail.com, bandsofturtle at gmail.com, chukaluta1973 at gmail.com. At Bands Island is my personal Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Mark's Madness Pod. Uh, Nathan is in charge of that one mostly. But yeah, we're I, supposed I, to do it. Yeah, no, I, I, me and Nathan can both post on that, and Nathan was using it. No, I know, but we're bad at it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm bad at it. So maybe, maybe we need to get better at yeah. posting on Mark's Madness Twitter account. And arguing with people. Yeah. Let's see what I can do. Probably not a good idea. (laughs) I don't know. Get banned. (laughs) But anyway, um, we're starting a Twitch channel called The Tin Can Jamboree, where the idea is uh, new mutual aid every stream. Um, Because I guess this is coming out next week. Uh, We, I, the Chinkaluta Network is involved in an audio documentary about the Wounded Knee 50th year anniversary that finally had a trailer come out. So we'll play that at the end if you want to listen to it, maybe, if we remember. Yeah. (laughs) I think that'd be cool. Yeah, right. Uh, uh, There's an episode on Guerrilla History coming out to also do that and i'm gonna do a bunch of self shameless pugs here because there's so much cool things going on right uh we have an interview coming up with a guatemalan comrade who has a lot of um turmoil going on in the country that indigenous people are sort of like uh leading the way as they should be um you know and uh there's um talks about a COINTELPRO pro series with guerrilla history um, going on uh, bands. There's another f- person who has an interesting ideology. I don't know if we agree with it or want to platform it, but he's calling it Demarchy, and I'm like, that's dumb. But um, sorry, friend, I love you. But you know, Demarchy sounds a little weird, and uh, you know, whatever. I'll hear the pitch. Maybe that might be a thing. At least it'd be an interesting conversation. I don't know. Like, I don't know. I'm up for working with everybody. You know, I'm just an honest person and I don't, I'm, I don't know. I don't hold back when I think things are stupid. So I'm sorry if it comes off rude. Um, I'm not, I'm not sorry. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> let's see what else do we got going on uh, I have an interview with Paulette F. Steves who uh, if you haven't read the book yet you should definitely check out uh, Indigenous Paleolithic of the Western Hemisphere um, that's coming out later this year too uh, once she has time she's been doing like some like real television interviews so I'm like thank you for even giving me the time still <laughs> um can't think of a whole lot else coming out in the immediate future. Uh, but of course there's always going to be new projects coming out and new organizing efforts. So stay tuned for that. Follow us on Twitter, email us if you have ideas or, you know, um, want to get involved somehow. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Anything else? That's, I miss that, anything? No, that's, that's all I got. So um, we Sweet. will see all of you next week. Uh, my name is David. I'm showing money to you. Bye. Oh,